0: Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music from Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions, a video game concert series on tour since 2014. In November, at the Gamer's Rhapsody convention here in the Twin Cities, the lead creator of that concert series was here. His name is Jaron Moore, and in addition to working on Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions, He worked on The Legend of Zelda 25th Anniversary Symphony and was the producer and lead creative for The Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses, which was here a few years ago, and it was amazing. Also on the panel was Eric Buchholz, who worked as an assistant to the music director on all of those projects. That person was Chad Sider, uh, who you may or may not recall from an earlier episode of Level. And while Chad wasn't in town, his name comes up a lot Uh, throughout this panel, so just be aware that he was the music director on a lot of those projects. It was great to see Jaron and Eric and hear their stories about working on a giant video game concert series like Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions. And the music you'll hear at the start is from that show. You'll hear the overture from Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions a few different times. And you'll also hear music from the Legend of Zelda 25th Anniversary Symphony. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for coming out in the, you know, Minnesota goodness to to be here to hear Jaron and Eric talk tonight. Um, My name is Emily Reese, and I host a podcast called Level with Emily Reese, and you can find it on Patreon and iTunes and Podbean and all of that good stuff at L-W-E-R. I don't see you writing this. Write it down. I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, but I I, uh, interview game composers and other people in the industry, and that's actually how I met Jaron many, many years ago, and also Eric. As an other person. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, So I would love to introduce these two to you because they are both a very vital part of this wonderful movement of touring music in the video game music world and uh, Jaren and Eric both worked very difficult worked very hard on uh, Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses, they've worked on the Pokemon show now and uh, also the Legend of Zelda 25th anniversary all of that good stuff and so that's what we're going to be talking about today and find out a little bit about each of their roles in that and how um, they got into that and, and all that. So this is Jaren Moore. Welcome, Jaren, and, and Eric Buckhold, so, uh And Eric is a composer, arranger, and all of those kinds of things. Jaren's a little bit more on the brainy side of the <laughs> making things happen. So um, Jaren, let's go ahead and start with you, and if you wouldn't mind just kind of saying how, how all of this started for you.
1: Well, I mean, I started as a gamer, you know, and and clearly loving, uh, I started with Nintendo, of course, and that's been my, my, uh, I've had a love affair with Nintendo since the very beginning, since I was six or seven years old when my parents bought that for me. The original NES, I'm 35, so... um, and that really just captured my imagination. Um, we didn't have Game Boy at that point, so uh, I could walk just a few blocks away to school. So I would walk to school, and I would run home from school to continue playing Super Mario or yeah. later Zelda, which came out in 86. And uh, it was a funny story. My, my cousin actually introduced me to Zelda, um, who lived in Oklahoma City. I, I'm from Dallas. And uh, we'd drive up there for Christmas or Thanksgiving, depending on you know whose year it was. And uh, he had a Nintendo as well. I hadn't gotten Zelda yet. Um, He had. I was more of a Mario guy at that point. And he showed it to me, and he was showing me how big this world was, and kind of traversing the map and the secrets and everything. And it just I was I mean I was definitely more of a Mario guy, only because I hadn't discovered Zelda yet. But I loved fantasy. So instantly I just kind of got attached to it. And um, of course the music was very sticky in my head and you know I'd hum along with it and stuff, but he had gotten all the way to Ganon and he was so proud of himself. And he was like, here, you wanna try? Like, I can't get past this guy, you wanna try and do it? And so I was like, sure. Uh, and so I sat down and was battling Ganon and of course I had no clue as to like the journey it took for him to get to that point I was like oh I just kind of walk in and he's doing that so at that point I didn't realize you and I can't even remember at this point you had to hold down the power button to save the game or there's a way to like do a save state anyway I I got frustrated he left the room to go do something else I got frustrated with it and I just turned it off and it completely wiped his Progress, and he got—he actually got to sit in the corner the rest of the day, because he threw such a huge fit at me. And of course, I didn't get it. I had no appreciation for his temper tantrum that he was throwing until years later. I really appreciated it, and I had to apologize, sincerely apologize to him. Um, so uh, that was kind of my intro to Zelda, which was a lot of fun. Um, of course, i, I love that gold cart, and the second game. I enjoyed it um, in its own unique capacity but uh, Link to the Past is really kind of was to me the epitome of at that point the idealization of Zelda. It's what the original game kind of was aspiring toward. It had memorable characters, memorable locations, like everything was more fully realized and the music of course we got new tunes, you know new versions of old tunes it was so i would always hear that music in an orchestral capacity and meanwhile i'm also a huge movie guy and falling in love with soundtracks and loving the orchestra and my sister introduced me to uh to film music and my parents kind of nurtured uh, an interest in classical so I, I had this sort of proclivity toward that so i would always hear this music kind of playing in my mind in sort of a cinematic capacity. So, you know, fast forward years later, went to film school, worked in the video game industry. I I actually, after I moved to Los Angeles and went to film school and then moved back to Dallas, I worked at 3D Realms on uh, on a game. I don't know if you guys ever played Prey on the 360. I produced the score for that with Jeremy Soule, who I hired for that game. And then I hired Jeremy again on Duke Nukem Forever and he wrote about 20 minutes of music that no one's ever heard before, which is actually pretty pretty fascinating and a really cool and interesting uh, alternative, like sort of alternate reality take on music for Duke Nukem. It's actually some of the coolest like sci-fi action music he's ever written. Fast forward, I ended up moving back to LA after 3D Realms kind of went away um, once they couldn't figure out how to get Duke Nukem Nuca- done after, what, 20 years, and uh, I met a guy at a birthday party of a mutual friend, his name was, uh, the the birthday party was Kevin Ripple, he did the music for Gears of War, and I met this guy who was, he was just kind of this cute, sort of bumbly, like, well, he was, we were both kind of a little buzzed. (laughs) <laughs> and we found each other like sitting on the couch, just geeking out about Final Fantasy and Zelda and video game music in general and Mega Man and Come to find out, his name's Chad Sider. He ends up being my co-producer for uh, for Zelda. Um, so we fostered a friendship and eventually decided, hey, we really want to do this Zelda show. And so we ended up pitching that uh, to Nintendo and. They were like okay this is great this this concept for symphony of the goddesses is 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 something that we want to pursue but first we have the 25th anniversary for the legend of zelda coming up Um, before we green light this we'd like for you guys to we'd like to put you through your paces and for you to support the 25th anniversary events with a series of symphonic concerts that um, we'd like to line up for tokyo los angeles and london and do them all within days apart Um, and we'll announce you at E3 with an orchestra uh, on a hydraulic lift. (laughs) The musicians were not thrilled. Um, We literally like packed them onto this. I swear the hydraulic lift is probably no bigger than this stage. is was a little bigger than no, this it was, stage, but, it was
2: big enough, but
1: yeah. The, but the bass
2: clarinetist was not happy. Like they, they had to sit like this
1: and like try to play this, you know. Well, we track. had to cut some strings because they were bowing into each other. So they were not. Of course, these are Los Angeles musicians, and you know they're like we just got done playing on Star Wars episode, whatever, you know, or, or the Avengers. So. Um, we need all the space in the world, and where's our water, and, you know. And so, they, they, you know, they're used to be, I mean, and respectfully so, and yeah. rightfully so, they're they used to be t- being treated with, you know, with utmost care. and They are some of the best yeah. players in the world. And so, uh, so, yeah, we ended up doing that, and, and, and that, um, that led to us recording a CD, which, how many of you guys played Skyward Sword? Uh, so so Skyward Sword came with a CD if you got a new copy um, that Chad and I produced Uh, we recorded it in Seattle and uh, we actually got to hire so one of the things that Chad and I we share is a deep love and admiration for a film composer named Jerry Goldsmith Uh, Jerry's like our all time favorite hands down composer Um, a lot of that's rooted in the fact that we're both super, super geeky Star Trek fans. Not Star Wars, but Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And Jerry wrote the iconic theme that was the main title's theme for Star Trek The Motion Picture, but most people know that as the main theme for Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and actually, I, lo- I loved Jerry Goldsmith so much. Um, serendipitously during film school, uh, I, w- I actually was doing the website for a composer named Mark McKenzie who did a lot of Hallmark films, and he ended up writing the music for, like, Dragonheart 2, and 3, and some other some other films, but uh, uh, he ended up being Jerry's orchestrator, um, being hired um, after I had met him, and as a result, Mark invited me to several of Jerry's uh, scoring sessions, uh, recording sessions there in Los Angeles, and I had the opportunity to sit in the control room, literally, Closer than I am to you guys, um, and watch the man work. And he would come into the into the mixing booth and listen, you know, listen to what they had just recorded, and then go back out and conduct the orchestra. And meanwhile, there's this guy at the helm. Um, that's a Star Trek kind of reference, but <laughs> at the at the uh, mixing console, uh, his name's Bruce Botnick, and um, he had been recording Jerry Goldsmith's scores for film since Star Trek The Motion Picture. And uh, Bruce kind of was responsible for giving Jerry's scores the sound that they had, which was Jerry's scores always had a kind of a punch and its own unique sort of, it was different. When you listen to a John Williams score versus a Jerry Goldsmith score versus a James Horner score, they all have their own kind of unique qualities to them. And Jerry's scores always had an interesting Kind of aesthetic to how they sounded, and so um, to skip over all the unnecessary details, like I had met Bruce, and um, at those sessions, and he remembered, and and we'd kept in contact a little bit. Uh, Jerry died in two thousand four, and so I had lost touch with Bruce, but Chad and I, um, I got to share some of those stories with Chad, and uh, and he had never met Bruce, but. Recording the Zelda stuff offered us the opportunity because the thing that Chad and I decided we wanted to do is actually imbue these Zelda arrangements that were on the 25th anniversary CD and subsequently all the the arrangements that we had in Symphony of the Goddesses with kind of a Jerry Goldsmith sound, um, not just a sound but sort of a personality. Like how, how would Jerry do this? Are, Jerry had a tendency to do a lot of odd odd meters and interesting time signatures and Uh, syncopated rhythms this sort of thing and so you'll find a lot of that in kind of how we reimagine Koji Kondo's music Um, and uh, to just put the icing on the cake we hired Bruce to record the orchestra for that CD that shipped with Skyward Sword. Which was a lot of fun and we were like we really love total recall and we really liked the mummy and uh you know we like these things and 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 bruce was like i know it i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up my settings for basic instinct
0: and we're like
1: okay i mean i mean yeah actually you know that that was actually a really good kind of average of sort of the things we were looking for but it was it was a really kind of a neat opportunity to um to sort of mix our uh, our love for for movie music and kind of bring that to video game music and and present that to an audience and share share that passion for it and it's still it's still going I think it's strong into its fifth year now so but uh, but Chad and I actually moved on from Zelda to produce Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions which is touring now and I actually leave at 4 a.m. Because uh, we have a show tomorrow night in Atlanta. <laughs> Chad's actually starting to conduct, um, so he I think tomorrow night is his first time to conduct a full half show. Um, his wife generally conducts uh, our show, but uh, and she orchestrated both Zelda and Pokemon um, shows, but uh, Chad's kind of taking some interest, so he's he's starting to do that, which is a lot of fun.
0: So how did Eric get involved in all of this? <laughs>
2: Uh, I was in high school and I somehow met this guy who um, then introduced me to Chad and like kind of they were working on the beginnings of what everything Jaren just explained with the 25th anniversary stuff and since I was I was interested in music and like I wanted to build a career in music so that kind of got like Chad interested in you know get me involved to help and so I ended up doing like all the takedowns like the, the transcriptions of the original music that um, Chad, it, it would make it easier for Chad to bring into his arrangement and uh, orchestrate it and arrange it, however, you know, the Jerry Goldsmith way. And then just got got to kind of help out with uh, the recording sessions, the the E3 stuff, uh, <laughs> running around. I'm, I'm still in high school at this point, and uh, there's like this kid just hiding in the corner, like you now Miyamoto and <laughs> all of his bodyguards walk by, and I'm just like okay. <laughs>
0: Questions I have, and I don't think I've ever really asked you this, but how how do you present something to Nintendo? Like, how do you, do you just like call up Nintendo corporate office and say, hey, we have an idea to pitch to you? Like, how does that even happen?
1: So prior to Zelda, I had um, gotten involved as a producer on a concert series called Play a Video Game Symphony. And I got involved with that because I had worked very closely with Jeremy Soule, um, the Elder Scrolls and Guild Wars composer, um, uh, he's one of my best friends, and I've actually I actually produced 13 or 14 of his albums. And so uh, when Jeremy was contacted, because they were performing music from, I think, Morrowind, the, the first Guild Wars game, uh, for this concert, he kind of appointed me as sort of his liaison um, to deal with th- that exchange and how it was how it progressed and sort of do kind of quality assurance on it and um, I eventually ended up being recruited to produce for that show um, and that show included music from a whole gamut of games so not only Guild Wars and you know Oblivion or whatever but also uh, Halo and Mario and Zelda and so on and so forth. So it represented uh, two or three Nintendo properties. And as a result, that show had a relationship with Nintendo. And so I worked with that executive producer and we packaged our pitch together and together we took that uh, to Nintendo. So, and it, and it, it took a while, you know, we submitted our pitch for Symphony of the Goddesses. And I think a week later, the big like tsunami hit. And we were like, well, I guess we won't be hearing about this anytime soon. And it was fascinating because it was really only like two or three weeks later that we heard back and discussions started rolling, you know, hope against hope. And, uh, I mean, timing for that, I mean, felt like it couldn't have been worse because we are like, well, it's going to, you know, get, I mean, this is so insignificant compared to what I'm sure they're all dealing with. But, uh... Business is business and, you know, I I guess to them, the 25th anniversary for Zelda was coming no matter what. I mean, Nintendo of America still had to continue, you know, progressing and and with plans and stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of how that that took shape.
0: So, now you're on to Pokémon. And I'm curious for you musically what how you feel about them
1: both. This guy grew up with Pokemon. Um, I had kind of I'd all but put down my Game Boy by the time Pokemon came out. I think I was a junior in high school at that point. I'd moved on to like Ultima Seven, the Black Gate, and uh, Wing Commander Three and I was more of a PC guy at that point. Well, and then Nintendo 64 was going, and, and so I was not hanging out with my Game Boy a whole lot uh, at all. And so when Chad and I kind of, I mean, I, I was aware of it. My, my niece and nephew played Pokemon. My younger cousins played it. So I was very aware of it. Um, but it also, it was kind of a younger JRPG, um, for me, uh, I, I was definitely more. You know, I think I was playing what in nineteen ninety, 1990, in nineteen ninety eight when Pokemon hit America. What was I playing? Final Fantasy Seven. Was that when did that come out? Ninety seven.
2: Yeah. Ninety
1: seven. So yeah, I was, I was probably still trying to play through Final Fantasy Seven because I take forever to play those games. And so uh, yeah, so when Chad and I decided that we wanted to do Pokemon, it felt like the right move. Um, and it felt like a, a franchise or, or a brand that was certainly deserving and that the audience was there and that it would be a lot of fun. But we, we had to sit down and really do our homework and play the games and listen to the music and refamiliarize ourselves with it. And something that Chad and I don't like to do is, is if we approach a project, if we can't do it authentically and genuinely and with a passion for the material, then we have no business doing it because as with Zelda and, and the same with Pokemon, if we can't present that material in good faith with authenticity to the people who are coming to see it and listen to it and participate, it's not worth doing. We want to do this for for you guys, um, you know, and, and we also do it for ourselves, for the, the passion and for the enjoyment, but if we can't enjoy it, then it's not worth, it's not worth sharing. musically, it's definitely, it's been interesting because we did Zelda, with Zelda we kind of took the Jerry Goldsmith approach, and we got started in, I guess, like late 2013, early 2014 on Pokemon, launched at the World Championships in DC in 2014, and we kind of took an approach and imbued quite a bit of James Horner into... The Pokemon music um, sort of took that approach with it, and uh, if you guys know anything about film composers, James Horner, who did the music for Titanic and Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan and Avatar and so forth and so you know so on, he uh, he actually passed away in a in a tragic plane crash. Uh, so that was um, it was a little eerie because. Uh, I mean, all the music for Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions was wrapped like well before that even happened. And so, we were really excited and kind of geeking out. Like whenever we hear like, a little nod that we do to James Horner, like, you know, most, it just goes over most people's heads, but of course, we sort of geek out and sort of giggle at each other. And, uh, and of course, it takes on a whole new meaning now, now that he's passed away. Um, and he was young, he was, he was just in his 50s. Uh, Jerry was in yeah. his mid-to-late 70s. The hundreds or something, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, musically, uh, uh, something that we decided to do with Pokemon versus Zelda, Zelda was orchestra and choir, which was very appropriate for that. Um, but to change it up and to kind of do something a little bit different, we decided to... Um, to uh, ditch the choir, kick those guys to the curb for Pokemon. There's not a whole lot of, I mean, now with Pokemon Sun and Moon, there's uh, how many guys are, have downloaded it or have. So I mean, imme- immediately turning it on, like there's there's choir in the music, which is like was shocking to me, um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and I was like, well, crap. Now we're gonna, <laughs> how are we gonna do this? But uh, we decided to. Not approach the music with choir and actually add electronics. We did a lot of electronic prelays that are actually synced with the orchestra while they're playing. And it's, it, I mean, there's a lot of kind of electronic elements in Pokemon music anyway that or could be interpreted as such. Um, and so it really kind of <laughs> fleshes it out and brings that, a different kind of energy to the music than what we have at Zelda. Have any of you guys seen po- Symphonic Evolutions? No? Bring it we, haven't, we haven't we haven't we have been in Minneapolis yet. <laughs> exactly. So um.
0: How many of you were, were was anyone at Symphony of the Goddesses a few yeah, oh, yeah, cool. four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, because that was that was a great show. Yeah.
1: Well it's all on YouTube, so <laughs> feel free.
0: Um, so Eric, tell me a little bit about your work
2: with Pokemon. So for Pokemon I got a little bit of a promotion. Um nice. <laughs> I wasn't just doing the, the parts and the transcription and stuff, I I got to do more, uh, a little bit of orchestration um, to help Susie out a little bit, they, they tossed me a bone there. Um, Chad's wife? Chad's wife Susie, uh, um, she orchestrated all of, all of Zelda and then uh, Pokemon as well, in addition to conducting. I also got to, um, for all the concerts there's a giant screen that they, they play a video that kind of tells the story of the music and um, for Zelda, they did uh, Nintendo did all of the, the video capture uh, in the in their own department, and then for, for Pokemon, we needed someone on our team to, to do all the video capture for the for at least the Game Boy games. So uh, I had a fun summer of playing through uh, three or four Pokemon games, <laughs> uh, just recording all of the footage, um, just for the show, which uh, which we edited together um, for the for the video. So uh, yeah, Pokemon was a lot of fun. Uh, Bring it to Minneapolis. <laughs>
0: well, because you're from this area.
2: Yeah. So yeah. I, I grew up in uh, up by Moorhead, um, and now I, I live in Seattle. So um, moved moved to Seattle about three years ago. I'm from a uh, small town Barnesville. Um, not Barnesville. Not not Barnesville. <laughs> <laughs> we get that all the time. Um, no. So it, it was. It's funny that you mentioned
0: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, Jaren, I know that you and I share a very big love for the game Skyrim, and has anybody gotten the reboot and playing play a little Skyrim? Yeah. A little more than a little Skyrim, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but but yeah, you probably don't have too much free time to play, but that's what you've been playing lately, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly fantasy is a big part of your life in your gaming. What are some of your other favorites?
1: I mean, I, I love, I love, like I had mentioned, dating back all the way to high school, um, I, I was I was into like Ultima and Wing Commander, so um, and those were both Origin Systems titles, um, and I cursed the day EA bought them and, and and killed them off. And now we're all dying as Chris Roberts like kills us with Star Citizen, um, which is a spiritual successor to Wing Commander, and it, it's probably one of the most ambitious, most expensive games ever. Ever proposed, but yeah, space combat simulators are. Uh, I love uh, fantasy. Um, so of course the Elder Scrolls games, but I love Fallout. Big Fallout fan. Uh, Final Fantasy I have a love-hate relationship with. Um, I, I think everybody does. Um, I I mean I'm. I will buy Final Fantasy fifteen um, begrudgingly. And I'll never finish it. I already know this, so I'm trying to make peace with that now. Mm-hmm. Before I start it, yeah. um, had anybody seen Conan's Clueless Gamer on 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 that? It's hilarious, <laughs> um, and it definitely like made me question whether I should even try. But um, watch that; you'll it's it's totally worth it.
0: What do you play in these days?
2: Well, in addition to being a Nintendo fan, I'm also, uh, I, I like shooters, so um, I was a big Halo fan growing up as well. So I, I did move on to Bungie's uh, sequel shooter Destiny for a bit, um, but lately it's been Overwatch has been my jam. So I uh, love Overwatch.
0: Good, good. Well, if any of you have any questions for Jaren and Eric, yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Uh, my first question
0: is to both of you, and it's, uh, I want to ask the kind of the progression of how you got to okay, I'm just in high school to, uh now I'm just orchestrating Pokemon and all, <laughs> and all that stuff, and I'm wondering what were the little things that helped you, like become more noticeable than other people trying to do the same thing
2: you're doing. A lot of like breaking in has to do with the relationships that you make, um, and I had a saying I don't remember exactly how I phrased it before, but. Um, your relationships are going to be your most like valuable thing, uh, next to uh, being dedicated um, and like pursuing those opportunities. You, you, it's kind of you make your own luck in the sense that um, you just always want to be willing to help other people, basically. Um, so I mean, the way that I am working right now under I, I work a lot for Chad Sider now. After after doing a lot of the stuff we did. Um, the score for Recore for Microsoft's Xbox One title. Well, I mean, working on working on on, on the 20th anniversary
1: and, and some of the goddesses yeah. and Pokemon okay. allowed you to sort of, you know, prove your prove your skills and advance them to a point that Chad trusted you with additional right. duties on Recore, which was a big step up. Mm-hmm. Um, have then you guys played Recore?
2: No, it didn't sell well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right because the score is amazing. It, yeah, I, Chad did a did a fantastic job. It sounds like a million bucks. So um, go check out the soundtrack. But um, back to the question, uh, basically, uh, I'm trying to do whatever I can to support Chad and, and Jaren uh, and support like what they want to do. And I I feel that someday that it's going to come down the line to where. Um, you know, where Chad and Jaron can help me, you know, and kind of push me out on my own a little bit. And no pressure there. <laughs> but, um, no, so I, I, I believe a lot in the people that I am connected to, and I want to help them as much as I can.
0: How did you even meet? How did the two of you
2: meet? Um, well, so I was in high school, and we I was um, part of this online group called Zelda Reorchestrated. And it was a, just a small group of musicians, and we would arrange Zelda music on a weekly basis. Uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But um, Jaren found us, and we we started working on a project together. And that's kind of how we um, that's how I met Jaren. Kind of got started working with him, and then uh, met Chad through Proxy.
0: And sadly, the rest of the Q&A got cut off. I have no idea how that happened. But a huge thanks to Eric and Jaren for coming to town and sharing their experiences. I'm going to need to pester them to bring Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions to Minneapolis. Psst, psst, make it happen. And thank you for listening to episode 51 of Level with Emily Reese. Hey, we have some good things cooking for you. So hang tight. We are working very hard on two very special projects. I know I keep saying very, but it's all very, very, very good. One of the projects is done, can't be shared yet. Another, which we're going to push out as soon as possible, likely uh, before the end of the year or very shortly after the new year. We are very excited to share these things with you. More as soon as we're able. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Up, up, up. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Level with Emily, and learn more about us at june-media.com. Remember, June is J-O-O-N.